This morning's reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're reading the first 15 verses. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is, Paul, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. But we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I lay a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will, be sh the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Congregation, this is the word of the Lord. Good morning everyone, it's great to uh, see you all. Um, today we are looking at our final hot topic for this year. You have uh, submitted uh, some of the questions and issues that are on your hearts and minds and uh, we have attempted to, uh, to answer and uh, speak to some of those from God's Word. And uh, our topic for today has to do with rewards in heaven. Someone has asked, will there be varying degrees of blessing and honour given to believers when we reach our eternal destination? And will this be based on the works that we do while we are living here on this earth? Or to put it to you another way, when we reach heaven, 
Will all of us be in exactly the same situation? Or will some merit different levels of joy, of benefit, or of privilege? Now that's a very good question, isn't it? And you know, to be honest, as I've looked into this question, I've discovered that the views among Christians are very, very divided. I have read articles which have come to completely different conclusions. It seems that some are horrified at the thought that there would be different levels, while others are horrified at the thought that there would not. And so I wonder this morning, what do you think about this question? Will there or will there not be different degrees of reward in heaven? Well, that's the question we're exploring this morning. But my friends, we are also considering why it matters, why it's important. And as we do, we're going to rely not on human speculation, but we are going to rely on the unchanging truth of God's word. Now, we need to begin by separating this discussion from the matter of salvation. You see, my friends, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that we are saved by grace and by grace alone. There is absolutely nothing we can ever do to earn, warrant or deserve redemption from our sin, reconciliation with our God and entry into life everlasting. These things can only ever be received as a free gift from the Lord, attained by faith and not by works. Romans chapter 3 says, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We can never ever earn or even contribute to our own salvation. Our only hope is in Jesus Christ who suffered on the cross in the place of all who believe and who rose again in victory over sin and death and hell. Our only hope is in the completely unmerited love and grace of our God. And so if you are here this morning, and you have humbly repented of your sin, and sincerely put your hope in Jesus, then you can be completely assured that you are forgiven in the sight of God, and that you have the blessing of eternal life. But if you're here and you haven't repented, and you haven't believed, well then I want to urge you to please think about this carefully today. On our own, we are slaves to sin and deserving of eternal punishment. But Jesus, he came to pay the price and to set us free. And so I urge you to turn to him in faith and to receive him as your saviour and your Lord. There is nothing more crucial than this. 
And so if you haven't done that already, then I urge you to come to Jesus today. Friends, let's be completely clear. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ. But the Bible also makes it clear that when a person is saved, this grace transforms us. And so while serving God can never contribute to our salvation, it is yet the completely natural and necessary outcome of our salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, having just said that we are saved by grace and not by works, it continues, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so our question today is not whether our efforts to serve and obey God will gain us entry into heaven, because that could never be. But our question is, do our efforts to serve and obey God gain us higher rewards or privileges once we enter the glory of heaven? Well, those who think not often refer to the parable of the workers in the vineyard in Matthew chapter 20. Now, perhaps you remember this story, how Jesus spoke about a, a landowner who needed people to come and to work in his winery. He went out and he hired some at 6am. Then he found some others at 9 and more at noon and still others at 3 and finally the last ones at 5 o'clock. But at the end of the day, at 6pm, he paid every single one of them the same amount. And so there were complaints. But the landowner told them that those who had worked all day had received a perfectly fair wage. And it was up to him if he wanted to pay others the same. From this story, some conclude that everyone who goes to heaven gets a completely equal reward, regardless of the works they've done. But my friends, we need to realise that this parable isn't actually about the rewards that will be received in heaven, but rather the reward of entering heaven in the first place. For in the previous chapter, we're told of a man coming to Jesus and asking him, what good thing must I do to gain or to get eternal life? This man wanted to earn his salvation. And so the parable was to show that it cannot be earned. It's given or rewarded freely to all, no matter how much or how little they have done. Now, this isn't the only place where entry into heaven is described like a, like a wage or a reward. For example, the Lord says in Isaiah 61, In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Luke chapter 6, But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Colossians chapter 3, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. 
These passages describe heaven as a reward. Not a reward that is earned, but that is graciously given to all who trust and serve Jesus. And so this should give us great joy. But yet these passages do not tell us if there will be different levels of reward. And so are there passages that do? Well, there are some that hint in this direction. For example, Psalm 62 says, You, Lord, reward everyone according to what they have done. Matthew 16, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And Revelation chapter 22, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. Now the reason that I hesitate is because these verses all say that we'll be rewarded for what we've done. But that could be interpreted in two different ways. This could suggest that the Lord will bless us differently depending on the good we've done in life. But at the same time, it could also suggest that the Lord will reward those who trusted in him with heaven, but reward those who rejected him with hell. And so we need to be very careful not to hang too much on verses like these. But then there are other verses that point to this more strongly. And so, for example, if we go back to Matthew 19, where that person asked what good they could do to get eternal life. Well, Jesus explained that it couldn't be earned. But then his disciples were concerned. They were concerned because they had made such great sacrifices to follow him, and they were wondering if it was all worth it. And then we find these words. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children, or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. This teaches us clearly that the apostles themselves will receive special privileges in heaven for what they did. But it also tells us that all believers who make sacrifices for the Lord, will receive proportionally greater blessings on top of the shared blessing of eternal life. Friends, we can also think of the parable of the ten miners in Luke chapter 19. There Jesus speaks to us about a nobleman who went to a distant country to be appointed king and then he would return. And so he called ten servants And he gave them each an amount of money called a miner. And he told them to put it to work. When that nobleman returned, the first servant had worked very hard and had earned ten more. And was rewarded by being put in charge of ten cities. 
Another had earned five more and was put in charge of five cities. But yet another had done nothing and his minor was taken away and given to the one who had ten. What's the point? The point is that we're called to be faithful in working with the gifts that the Lord has given us until his return. But it also tells us that our eternal reward will be in proportion to what we have done. And then there's also 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul writes this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. But you know, my friends, the clearest passage of all is the one that Peter read for us just before from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You see, at the beginning of that passage, Paul is, is reprimanding the people of Corinth for their worship and following of human leaders. This led him to speak about the different tasks that those leaders were given by the Lord. And that in turn led him to say this in verse 8. He says, The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. He then goes on and reminds them that he is not here speaking about the attainment of salvation, because that is found only in Jesus. Verse 11, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. But then he explains that we are all called upon as God's people to build on that foundation. And so in verses 12 to 15, we read this. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Do you see? We as God's people are called to work, to obey and serve, to build the kingdom. And one day on the day of judgment, our efforts will be tested. Again, this is not a matter of salvation, for even the one whose efforts were worthless we are told, is still saved, though only as one escaping through the flames. But it is a matter of varying levels of eternal blessing. For the person whose works are shown to be of great quality, who built with gold, silver and costly stones, they will be greatly rewarded, while the person who built with wood, hay or straw, their works burn up and their reward is lost. So, friends, the Lord reveals that there will indeed be varying levels of reward in heaven. You may have noticed that very little is said in these verses about the nature of these rewards. And I guess that makes sense for how could our earthly minds ever conceive of such things? But yet we can rightly conclude that believers will not all be 
in the same situation, for there will be different degrees of privilege and blessing given to each, depending on what we have done. But why does it matter? What are the, what are the implications of this truth? Well, I'd like to start with two things which are not implications of this truth. First of all, the fact that there will be different rewards does not mean that those who have lesser rewards will reach heaven and then will feel miserable or disappointed or jealous. My friends, heaven is going to be a wonderful blessing for everyone who is there. We will finally dwell with our God in perfect harmony, free from all the troubles of this life, free from all the troubles of this world. There will be no more sadness, there will be no more regrets, and there will be no more envy, for there will be no sin, nor any of its consequences. And so, my friends, if we would see someone there who has greater rewards than us, then surely we will be filled with nothing but joy. For we will know that our God has blessed each one according to his perfect knowledge and his perfect wisdom, according to his perfect justice and his perfect judgment. Do you really think that we will be jealous of the apostles who gave up everything to follow Jesus? Do you think that we will be jealous of the martyrs who shed their blood for the sake of the gospel? Do you really think we'll be jealous of the humble believer who quietly served God for all of their days while others were busy serving themselves? Of course not. We will rejoice with them for they have received a wonderful gift from God. But secondly, the fact that there'll be different rewards also does not mean that we will start serving God more in order to attain them. You see, in all of these passages that we looked at, not once are we told that they should be the motivation for us to love and obey and serve the Lord. My friends, the only proper motivation for us to love and obey and serve the Lord should be a deep, heartfelt gratitude for all that he has done for us. Think of John 13 where when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Or think of 1 John chapter 4. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Reward should never be our motivation. And if it was, well, then our works would likely be worthless. I think Jesus really puts it all in perspective in Luke chapter 17. He said, suppose one of you has a servant ploughing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me 
while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. But why then is it so important for us to think about levels of reward in heaven? What really is the implication of this truth? Well, my friends, I think it is this. This truth reminds us that our God, our God sees and recognises the things that his people do. But more than that, our God values and treasures the things that his people do. And as a result of that, our God blesses and honours his people for the things they do. And isn't that amazing? I mean, he doesn't just, he, he doesn't need us for anything. He doesn't need us to build his kingdom. He could do that quite capably on his own. But yet he chooses to use our efforts, as weak as they may be, And not only does he use them, but he cherishes them and he rewards them. And so that means that when we serve the Lord, our efforts will never go unnoticed. Even if no one else knows what we have done, the Lord knows and the Lord cares. In fact, the Bible tells us that it's actually better to receive no human notice or recognition. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And then using the example of giving, Jesus says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. You see, friends, we should never think that God will reward us based on human standards. You know, I very much doubt that the greatest rewards will go to the, to the celebrity pastors of mega churches, or to world-famous Christian authors or musicians, or to any believer who seeks human recognition for their efforts. I very much doubt they'll go to the well-known, to the popular, to the boisterous, or the aggressive. But instead, I'm utterly convinced that the greatest rewards will go to unknown believers who quietly serve out of love for the Lord. They'll go to the woman who is spending her days feeding the hungry in South Sudan, to the man who faithfully takes the gospel to the outcasts of India, to the believer who was martyred in a third world country, even though no one will ever have heard of his name. You know, in this, I cannot help but think of Luke chapter 21. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, 
but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. The Lord will recognise and value and reward those who the world does not even see. And my friends, the same applies in our own lives. If we only serve when it's easy, when we think we'll get something out of it for ourselves, when we think we'll get accolades or praise, well, then we need not expect divine benefit. But it's the person who serves sacrificially, unselfishly, faithfully and humbly. The person who serves out of genuine love for the Lord. They are the ones who will be seen and valued and rewarded in heaven. My friends, may it be our heartfelt desire to be that person. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Lord God and loving Father, we want to give you all thanks and all praise that we have been saved by grace alone and not by works. Father, help us to trust in Jesus with all our hearts. And Lord, if there is anyone here today who does not, we pray for them. We ask you to work in their hearts. We pray that you might open their eyes to see the wonder of your grace and that you would work in them by your Holy Spirit that they may turn to you and be saved this day. Father, you have also called us to love you, to obey you and serve you, to participate in the building of your kingdom. And Lord, you have revealed that we should do this out of gratitude for what you first did for us. But you have also revealed that you will reward us for the things that we do. And so Lord, we pray this morning, please help us to understand this truth and to apply it in our lives today. Lord, help us to know that you see us when we serve, that you treasure even our weak efforts, and Lord, that one day you will honour them as well. Lord, may this motivate us not to seek greater reward, but rather to do our duty and to serve you every single day. Father, please help us to be humble, to be faithful to be self-sacrificing as we seek to honour you with our lives. And Father, may we do that out of gratitude and love for your grace toward us. Amen.